What's up, GLP family? Again, another bonus episode for November from our Inspired Leaders Conference that we had in October. It was an incredible conference, and we are releasing those sessions exclusively on this podcast for you. We are getting to listen to, again, Pastor Eric Butler, his second session for the conference, Four Types of Influence. Super practical, super inspiring. Um, Leaders, this will help your life right here. Pastor Eric, of course, is like an amazing prophet of God, and he's a longtime friend of Gateway City Church. He's been to our conference many times before, and I'm sure that we're going to see him again. But for right now, let's get into his amazing session. (laughs) Good afternoon, everyone. It is good to be here with you, and it's exciting. I I could hear you screaming in the back room, so I know something good is happening. Good to see Javier and Melinda again. Longtime friends of Shiloh over the years. And of course, Pastor David and Kathy, God bless you. One more time, here we go, right? I just feel the atmosphere is just charged. Javier has done a great job, and whatever he was saying to you, it was just a plowing in this atmosphere, and it's wide open. It's wide open. Amen. It helped me just to uh, be able to overcome the Yankees losing in the 10th inning just now. So this message is not in the spirit. But anyway, we bring you greetings today from uh, our church all the way across the country. I was just out here last week at the MFI conference and um, back again. It's just like ping-ponging this week. It's just one of those times. I wanted to continue in the vein today of uh, talking about uh, the theme that you have here today about influence. And it's such an important thing, important topic, because influence is everything. You already know the background, you know the foundations of this word that talks about the fact that all leadership is based on influence, influence is based on leadership, and it's the whole thing. But it's something that's special, it's an intangible element that is very special when you see it in operation, that there's just this flow. I like to watch athletic events and I I like to watch different things such as politics, even though that's not a hot topic these days because it's crazy. But when you start to get into elections and uh, anything with a scorekeeping, anything with a a time frame attached to it, you see something hit that comes into play called momentum. And when you deal with when you deal with uh, influence, what's connected to influence is also a word that's called momentum. And when you see your team either losing or winning, you can tell that there's a time in every game, in every moment, every season, whether it's in sports, whether it's in the political arena, whether it's in the economics, there has to come this thing called momentum that kicks in. When you're losing, you have to, you always have this person or persons that when they step up to the plate, everything changes. And that's what influence actually does because they don't have to say something all the time. It's just that they're there. People tell me all the time, they say, Pastor, we're glad you're here today on a Sunday all the time. And I say, why? They say, it's just different when you're here. It's just different. When you are here physically, it's just different. I said, but the guys can do everything I do. They said, I know that, but when you come into this place, you could be back in your office, but we know you're here. 
And they say, when we see you, it's just influence. You don't have to preach. You can just sit in the front row. But it's a spirit. It's a presence that is on a person. You know, when you start to deal with this word influence, we also can connect with it. Presence is another connection with this particular word. So when you deal with leadership, you always deal with presence. You always deal with momentum or motivation. You deal with these particular things, and they are always connected to move a person to be able to move an atmosphere, move a team, move a situation, and they always are the same. And so when you look at this word presence that's always connected to it, that word has a, a unique meaning because that word, of course, we always talk about the presence of the Lord, presence of God, but it has a unique meaning. Presence speaks of, uh, especially when you're looking at it, it's the word panium in the Hebrew, one definition, and it means to turn the face towards. In Psalm 80, the, uh, the writer of Psalm 80 said, Lord, turn your face towards us and let your face shine upon us again. Okay, it means the turning of the face to stare and to look at someone or to get someone's attention. When David was writing that, he was asking God, Lord, turn your face back to us and cause your favor to shine upon us. We know that when you're looking at us, when we're in your place, we can tell that everything's going to go better because you're watching this. You're watching over it. Another definition is the word prosopon in the Greek, which means also to look at something, but it also means to uh, be aware. It means to uh, be there at the arrival of something. It means that you're, you're there at the initiation of something. So let me just put the picture together. Your key word is influence that's here, but attached to it, let's just say it's motivation. It's momentum. It's uh, uh, presence. All these things are strings that are attached to it. And when you attach that last piece of presence to it, when you look at something as far as uh, being, understanding that when you deal with presence, it deals with something that the presence of God not only means a mist or an aura, it means to be present. It means I'm in the building. You know, like the, the old joke was uh, Elvis has left the building where God is in the building. Okay, it means he is here. He's on the scene. He's in he's in the place. It means that. And so when you actually are dealing with influence, you're dealing with a presence factor that's connected to that word. Because when that person that has that ability to move something or those persons that have the ability to move something forward, it's, it's their physical presence sometimes. Or it's, uh, or it's the fact that there's a presence that comes when they show up. Or it's a, 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 a motivational element when they speak very few words. I've seen this happen so many times. And I know you have also. And that's a big connection that actually reveals the level of leadership that you're dealing with. When you can walk into a room, that's a song that's, that's sung all the time. When you walk into the room, everything changes. But when you can walk into a room and everything does change, that's power. Without you saying a word, everything changes. It's an amazing thing to watch. Like if you watch an athletic event, I'll, I'll give some old examples or some new ones. Uh, you're, you're here. Who's your team out here now? The Blazers, Raiders, Blazers, Golden State, 49ers, right? It's 49ers, right? Okay. <laughs> Giants. Okay. Okay. Giants. Well, we got the Giants in the East, but baseball Giants over here. But let's say Steph Curry, this team, Golden State, whether you like them or not. Warriors, <laughs> right? It's a big difference when he's out of the game. But last year when you watched those games, physically they should have not won the championship compared to the team that they were playing. 
But it was a lot of times it was about presence. It was about influence. The influence that he had in the entire year of outscoring everybody, breaking the scoring records and all these, these things that he did. He was the all mid, uh, MVP of the All-Star Game in the middle of the year. Everything he touched just turned to gold last year. It was his year. But in that championship series, his influence on the court was the whole reason why they won. And that's what I'm talking about. It's things like that when someone has that kind of aura, that ability. Not only are they present, but there's something that comes off of them. You and I have that. You and I have that. And we don't realize it because we don't exhibit it or release it or put ourselves in position that, or speak. Now, let me just tell you, how does someone know if someone's influential? Well, they have to speak. They have to physically be present. They have to have a history of some type of, of a track record of something that has produced something good in their life. This is how it happens. If you are winning over and over, people will eventually expect you to win or they'll start to call you a winner. If you're losing, it's the opposite thing. But when you're trying to be influential, you have a sway that you don't have to say a lot of words because you've proven it. You have a track record that's proven that when you say something, do something, connect something, put, put something together, it's going to work. And it produces a confidence in other people. That's really the result of, of influence. It produces a confidence in other people that when they see you, it's like, Javier here. it's going to be all right now. It's all right now. After lunch, the best speaker to bring up, Javier Ramos. It's going to be all right. <laughs> it's the way it is. That's just the way it is. Or on a Sunday morning here at Gateway, when you see the pastors here, your, your lead pastors, when they step to this, this place here, it's just like, everything's all right. This is a very important principle in your Teaching. So let me see. Okay, good. I'm on time here. I just wanted to talk to you. That was just all introduction. But I want to talk to you about. <laughs> I just want to talk to you about four types of influence that can take place in your life. Just four types. One is negative influence. And there's a lot of that going on today. There's a lot of negativity that's going on today, man. And I just picked up just some basics, some basics uh, on this one. But there's negative influence. That means people say things, do things to veer you off the course from where God would have you going. This is very important, very important for leaders to surround yourself with good people. Because words either can make you or break you. By words can also establish you or disengage you from anything. And when you are are around negative people all the time, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the church. You have those naysayers that if you try to do something uh, and, and you've got faith for it, and some people say, no. I remember, give you an, uh, an example. I remember we were going to buy a building years ago. And, uh, you know, instead of playing the old role of, you know, God spoke to Moses, the, which means God spoke to me, the lead pastor. And then everything works because I said God spoke to me. I said, well, we're going to take a vote. I just wanted to see what was out in the audience, what was, what was in the church. I said, I want to see a vote. How many of you want to move to this place? And, you know, it's going to be a silent vote. And I said, how many you want to move and how many don't want to move? Just put a Y or an N, a Y or an N, a Y or an N. Piece of paper, we put it in the basket. At the end, uh, it was about 80 people that day that were there that were involved in it. And 
about 75 of them that were wise and about three was blank. They, they chickened out. They didn't put anything down. But I, but I remember I wanted, I was interested in knowing who were the ends or the negatives or the no's. And I found out who they were and I kept looking at it. And it's funny because those people that said no had a lot of influence behind the scenes. They had a lot of influence. I was actually surprised. And this will happen to you in ministry and in church. It's sometimes people that have a lot of influence, but they don't have faith. Now, let me just go back to my initial chart of the things that are attached to influence, such as momentum, such as motivation, such as presence. A lot of times, a lot of people will be negative because they don't have those things connected with them and they don't have faith. Not all men have faith. And so I began to look at this, these, these wonderful people, and I began to eye them, as the Old Testament said, that Saul eyed David from that day forward. <laughs> you got to know the Bible. There's a Bible joke. But anyway, <laughs> he eyed him, and I began to look at him. And sure enough, they left the church more than 18 months after that. Because negativity can't be contained. It's a, it's a, it's a cancer. And so one type of influence is negative influence. Now, now, now you're dealing with people today that are in churches that need healing. A lot of people need healing in church today. A lot of wounded people. You got some real good books here that uh, I know are, are, the Cobbs have written about wounded saints and different things like that. And it's all because of negative influences in their lives, whether it's from childhood, whether it's a, a parent, whether it's a grandparent, a school teacher. All these negative elements that are involved in people's lives have hindered and stopped people from progressing. And it's really bad. You know, you have to f sometimes look at your congregation as a pastor and say, are my people healthy? Because a lot of times they may seem like they're healthy. Everybody has a good time in a worship service. But if you peel that back and, and you know, the atmosphere from a worship service and start to get the people one-on-one -on -one and begin to really look at them and talk with them, you'll find that a lot of them are still fighting off negative traits that someone placed upon their life or a negative situation that came into their life 15, 20 years ago. Every time. And then you got to dig it out and get them free from it. But the first type is negative influences. Okay, Numbers 13, I, I would just go there. And you know this story. It's nothing new, nothing new. But Numbers 13 in the Bible, and looking at verse 32, it says that they spread this bad report about the land amongst the Israelites. Now, God gives Moses a command. And he says, tell them to go out and spy the land, see whether... They're good. They're, this is there. That is there. He says, see where there's this and that in the land. He said, and bring me back a report. And 12 people went out. 12 people went out. You know this. They all went out with the same opportunity. But then 10 of them came back with a negative report. Now, that's bad. That's bad. 10 out of 12? <laughs> My goodness. Now, if, 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 if he was... A person like today, when we deal with numbers or a majority rule, he would never have gone further than that because the majority would have ruled in that case through negativity. It says they came back, and this is the power of negative influence, it came back amongst the land of the Israelites, the land that we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes there to live. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought, too. 
Okay? And that second example I, I gave was when Aaron made the golden calf. Aaron was called to be Moses' right-hand man, his, his, guy, his, 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 his guy right next to him. And when Moses goes to the mountain to work, worship God and to be with God, to hear God, to get information, Aaron is down there being influenced by the people. Dathan, Korah, Byram, all these bad negative people. And of course, eventually, they talk him into doing what he was doing, what his gift was in society, which was he was a, a, a molder of, of, of gold and jewelry, and he actually made the golden calf because of negative people. Negative people can make you in ministry make bad decisions. They can make you make some bad decisions, or not even if it's bad, they can make it premature. They'll push you into doing something before you're ready to do it, just so you silence them. You got to be very careful in that, because that's what negativity does. You know the old phrase, the, the squeaky wheel gets the attention. That person that's crying and whining all the time always gets your attention, always. But the good people, they just have to flow, and they continue to stay in the vein. But negative influence is a bad, bad thing. So that's number one. Number one, thank God for the Caleb's and the Joshua's that had faith. For every ten, there's two that still believe. All you need is two or three gathering together in his name. He said, I'll be in the midst. All you need is two people to come together in unity and can turn every negative influence around. That's all we need. Amen. Look at somebody and say, are you part of the two or the ten? <laughs> Very important. And let's just look at the second one. The second one is neutral influence. Neutral, neutral. You're cruising. Neutral influence. There's a lot of that too. I don't want to rock the boat. I'm just saying. I'm just giving you phrases. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm just saying. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's cool with me. That's between you and the Lord. You've seen those kind of people and you, you need help. Is that, that's what you're going to tell me? It's between me and the Lord. I, I know it's between me and the Lord. It's been between me and the Lord the whole time. Give me something to work with, man. If you're negative, it would help me. If you're positive, it would help me. But don't just go like this. Neutral influence in the Bible, we've got a good, good fellow here in this little character, Eli, in the Old Testament. The Bible says that Eli never actually disciplined his sons, he just let them go. And you know the story with Eli's sons, they were rampant in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple. They did some really bad things. But another guy that I, that I like to look at, of course, is Eli again, because when you deal with Eli the Bible says that the lamp of God was going out and his eyesight became dim. So he lost his ability. He lost his edge. And so a, a person that's operating out of neutral influence loses their edge. So they would what we call sometimes, they just go vanilla on you. They just go basic. Well, whatever. I'm just here to survive now. I'm tired. I'm old. I just want to run the clock out and get to heaven. And you have people like that that won't challenge you anymore. They lose their edge. They're not sharp anymore. They stop dreaming during that point. There's no vision left. That's what happened to this man. 
And so God was actually visiting the temple. God was visiting the tabernacle where he was with Samuel. God was there, but this man didn't even know it. He is so used to being neutral and not really making any decisions that when God speaks to a little kid and calls him and he says, Samuel, Samuel, this priest used to know that voice. How do you become neutral? (laughs) Mediocrity kicks in and you stop hearing, you stop pursuing, you stop seeking. It doesn't mean anything to you anymore. You're not fired up about it anymore. You're not engaging in anything anymore. You're not intense about it like you once were in the beginning. You lose your intensity. And this is what happens. Or you've been wounded so much, the fight goes out of you. You fought so many battles, I'm tired of getting beat up. Ministry's killing me. Am I talking to preachers or ministers here? Okay. You're going to make me put on my shades. I can see clearly now. The rain has gone. Please don't But my point is, that's what happens to a person. I've been there. You just get tired of fighting. There's so many battles that can come in a church. There's families that are complaining. There's bills that need to be paid. There's situations with the city. There's things inside of facilities that are not working right. There's, there's people that have callings and gifts upon their lives. There's all these things. And after a while, the compilation of all these things can just cause you just to go, And you zone out to survive that season. Anybody ever been there? If you haven't, keep pastoring. You will get there. It is guaranteed to come. You will shift to survival mode until the Holy Spirit comes and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Okay. That's why he did that. What are you doing here, Elijah? When he was running from Jezebel. But neutral influence, there's, there's nothing there. Just let things go. There's no fight left. Do whatever you want to do. Go ahead. The third level of influence is positive influence. Positive influence, which is the biggest and the best. It's positive. And I think that's what this is about here this weekend. There's several people. I I, I think about people that were in my life. I wouldn't be standing here. I'm not standing here by myself. I'm standing here based upon influences that were influential in my life, people that influenced me years and years ago, long before I ever did any of this, any of this. Like I tell people all the time, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't didn't find Jesus till 22 years old. I, I didn't know anything about church for years. But there were great people, such as her father, Pastor David Kitely. That's right. A great influence in my life. There are so many more. I can name them. But you have to have people that can tell you it's going to be all right. You're going to make it through this. I think you you did a good job, even though you thought you stunk up the place. You need that. Everybody needs that. You need the affirmers, the, the people that will give you affirmation. You need the encouragers. You need the motivators to constantly come. And in David's life, when you look at David's life, David had a lot of these wonderful positive influences in his life. What do positive influences do for you? 
Well, some of the things that they do, and I'm not going by notes. I'm just talking out of experience. They believe in you, number one. The first thing they do, they believe in you. Number two, their words, that they, they're careful about what they say to you. The Bible says that words fitly spoken are, are like apples of gold and pictures of silver. They are careful about what they say to you. They know that their words, if they're negative, they could damage you for life. Or they could curse you for life. Oh, yeah. What else do they do? They see you for who you are, and they see you for who he's called you to be. They see where you are. They see if you don't understand this or that, but they also see you as that person who God has called you to be. So they speak to you. They model a lifestyle before you based upon what they believe God has called you to do to get you there. Positive influencers watch you. Positive influencers always care about you. They pray for you. Positive influencers don't leave you behind. They say, come on. It's almost like a, a form of discipleship. Come with me and learn. And, be, and positive influence build a relationship with you that will never be taken away. Positive influencers are, have moments and markers in your life that you will remember till the day you leave this planet. You remember the moment, you remember where you were, you remember what they said, you remember how you felt, and it's, it's a turning point in your life many times when you meet these kind of people. Paul was the, one of the great ones in the New Testament. And Paul's always encouraging people and, and living this life before them. And I just looked at he and Timothy. In 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I thank God for you. <clears throat> the God I serve with a clear conscience. Let me just pull this up. <clears throat> God, I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. This is what this man is saying to this younger man. Beautiful. He said, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan the flames of the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you've learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. He said in 2 Timothy 2. 2, verse 2 through 7, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying, and the Lord will help you understand all these things. 
This man is on it, isn't he? I bet you Timothy was one of the great preachers of th their time. He had to be. Because he was not only discipled, but he was influenced positively by Paul. Big time influence. You know, I think sometimes when I look at my life, I, some examples, I just wrote down a couple of them. When you grow up in certain ways, in certain areas, in certain neighborhoods, with certain mindsets, when nobody tells you you can make it, you can do it, it's going to be all right. You're not the star of the team. You're just glad to be on the team. You might be down at the end of the bench, but you're glad to have a new pair of sneakers and a suit and a uniform and a sweatsuit for, for the basketball season or whatever, the football season. You, you got spikes on it. You could take the uh, high school picture with everybody else, you know, holding the ball out and palming it, you know. <laughs> that was me. And I remember being someone that didn't know what they were going to do in life. I was playing freshman basketball, and we had a pretty mean coach, but he was more of a disciplinarian. He's a good man. And we had a rough time because he ran us, ran us to death. I mean, he said, you're lazy. You guys are out of shape. And he was a good man, though. <clears throat> but he ran us to death. Good Lord. He wanted to win bad, and we didn't win as many games as he wanted. So when practice came, of course, he would go get the bricks and the suicides would start again. That means you go, you run, you pick up the bricks and you run back and you put them down down here and you keep doing it till you just drop. In my second year, in sophomore year, I was, had a different coach and this man changed my life, 10th grade. And I had a, a, a two-way street that was operating in my life when I was in 10th grade. A critical time and now that I look back as a full mature man, I can see how God helped me. I wasn't a believer now. You have to remember that. There was no church in my life, no Jesus and none of that. Okay. And one side of me was dealing drugs. Sorry, folks. I'm still a preacher. <laughs> to survive. The other side, I was playing ball. I had the street guys and needs, and I had this little athletic thing inside the school. And I remember playing in a practice one day, and I was playing defense on someone, and the ball, they threw the ball, and it broke this thumb. It felt like it took my thumb off, and it broke right in the, in the practice. So I couldn't play the rest of the year, so I went, because I was disappointed, what did you think I did? I went back and leaned on what? The other side. The bad side. Mumbling, complaining that year. I didn't go to all the games. I didn't follow the team, you know, to every game because I was mad because I wasn't playing. So that pushed me back in 10th grade, and I made it, thank God, I made it through some rough seasons during that time. I really did. That's it? Time's up for me? Is that it? I'm on, I'm on. Oh. Oh, 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 okay, I got you. Okay. I thought it was the story about the drugs. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I won't mention drugs anymore. You don't talk about drugs in church and sin, things like that. <laughs> Just talk about Jesus. Talk about Christ. It'd be all right. But I remember very well, I, was, I reached a fork in the road. I got busted that year twice and went to jail. 16 years old. I remember being in jail with handcuffs on, 16 years old. And I remember the police chief, 
because my other brothers were all athletes, and they were good. They were good guys. My, my older brothers were good guys. I got three older brothers. They were good guys, you know, in the paper, stars. And a guy leaned over to the desk at the police station. He said, what are you doing here? He said, your brothers aren't like you. What are you doing here? I didn't know who I was. Well, like I said, man, I don't know, man. So my oldest brother came and got me. And I remember I had to go to court and all that stuff, and they, they cut me a break. The next time you're here, we're going to put you in jail, you know, the whole bit. And then I did it again the same year, just drifting. What a bad year it was. But on the other hand, I was trying to make a comeback to play ball. This changed my life. I had a little coach. He, he was about, he probably about 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, he looked like Danny DeVito. That's what, every time I see Danny DeVito, I see him. Every time I said, that's Coach Reardon. I said, that's him. And he was the JV coach. And he came to me. He said, E, grab me around the waist because he was a little macho man, a man's man, a little Italian dude. He was tough. He said, listen. He said, when you come back next year, he said, you're going to be my man. I said, yeah, okay. He said, I know you're going through a lot, but... When you come back next year, he said, you might have to go play JV before you play varsity, but I'm going to help you. Well, the next year came. You're talking about a positive influence, and it was just with words. The next year came, beginning of the season. I had to go back and do three quarters of JV just to play uh, one quarter of varsity in 11th grade because I broke my thumb. And I will never to this day forget what he told me the night of the first game. Everybody had left the locker room. Everybody had gone out for layups and warm-ups. He said, stay back here with me for a second. I want to tell you something. Little guy. He looked me right in the eyes. And he said, I believe in you. Man, I, I mean, I still feel that to this day. He said, E, he said, E, I believe in you. He said, I want you to lead my team. He said, lead them to victory. I know you could do it. Grabbed me up by the jersey. It was before the game. He said, you, do you hear me? I said, yeah, man, I got you. I got you, dog. All right. <laughs> and he said, lead him. We were undefeated at home. And those words changed my life. Why? Because that was the first time in my life that anyone ever said to me, lead and they really believed in me. I'm talking about a positive influence. Yeah. I've had some powerful people. I mean, some awesome people in my life. I mean, just, I could be here forever. The people that, that are positive influencers in my life. And that's what you need. You need these giants. I remember when I met Dr. Frank, because we're in the MFI atmosphere. I remember Dr. Frank years ago. I was just with him last week, actually just last Thursday out at the conference. And I remember he used to come to the East a lot, and they used to try to preach and recruit him and Dick Iverson. He used to come over our way in New York area. And I was with him in a meeting in New York years ago. I don't remember what year now, 10 years, 12 years ago. But we were in a green room, just he and I. I was going to preach at one of his churches one of his sons in the ministry's churches, and he was the preacher, and I was the preacher, and I had just arrived to the green room, and he said these words. He was studying by himself, and if you know him, he doesn't talk that much, but when he says something, it has weight to it. And he looked at me, he and I, and another guy I brought who was eating up all the food at that time. I said, slow down, man. It's not going anywhere. The grapes are not running. You know? 
I'm hungry, Pastor. You know, you, I came with you. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and Frank was sitting there over by himself, and he looked at me. And he said, I need you. I said, why? He said, I just need you. And I walked over to him. I said, what do you mean you need me? You want me to go get you something? I said, you, you. he said, no, no, no. I need you. Three words. I need you. Yeah, three. <laughs> but what he meant was, I need you to be a part of what I'm about to do. Because he was about to take over MFI at that point. And I had no idea that 12 years ago when he said that to me, that all what's happened would have happened. I realize now what he meant. But it was positive. For when a person that's carrying weight like that says that, it changes your life. It changes your life. My final example was this. I was ready to quit. I've been pastoring for 32 years, first of all. Half the time I've been passionate, we didn't own property. We had a rough time in the beginning, 15 years trying to buy buildings, all the stuff, moving hotels, ballrooms, you name it, VFWs. But I remember a man came, and I was very discouraged one Sunday morning. Short story. And he said these words to me. He said, if there's nobody out there, so we're in the back room, he said, if there's nobody out there, he said, we're going to go out there today. And I had tears in my eyes. This is how bad things were. Ministry is not a game. It, it's painful sometimes. It's hard. It's not a, a joy ride. It's tough. And he looked at me, and he said these words. He said, if everybody else gives up on you, he said, I'm never going to give up on you. He said, now let's go. And just hearing that, it's like his words were like lasers just went right into me. <laughs> Positive influences. When you sit in a conference like this and you have men and women of God like the Canastracy's here and the Cobbs and others that are here, wonderful men and women of God, constantly saying things to you. You can do it. You can make it. Receive them. Honor them. Love them. Appreciate them. And thank God for them because they're changing your life. Positive influence is transformational. Last one is lifestyle influence, lifestyle influence. That means someone can, I gave you a couple of mine, but uh, see, I beat you this time. I got you. Okay. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but lifestyle influence are those that come into your life, that literally change your life and can change the lives of many people. They're life changers. We have some in our culture and society. If I name people, Jesus, number one. When Jesus came on the scene in the earth, everything changed. Everything changed everywhere for everybody, okay? There's, there's not a number two, but I'm just listing natural people. Let's say historically, an Abraham Lincoln changed a lot of things. And in, in the modern times, a Martin Luther King Jr. changed things. 
You've got some powerful people that literally have changed people's entire lives. It's not many of them. That list is very minimal, but these are powerful people. A Mother Teresa. Humility. I mean, you could go on and on with these type of influencers, but their lifestyle, how they lived and what they do has changed us for many, 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 many years. And this is what it's about. Influence. 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 You have to understand that we need to surround ourselves with positive, good influencers. Good influencers. People that believe in you. People that love you. People that'll tell you, even though they know you fell off the bike the first time, they'll say, get up and do it again. This time you're going to make it. Those are the voices that we need in the church again. Those are the voices that we need in family. This is how we need to raise this next generation. A generation that's, that's in pain. A generation that doesn't feel confident. We need to bring confidence and hope to them. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And so I just wanted to give you a few things on, on, on influence real quick. Four different levels. Because they're in all of our lives. They're in all of our lives. Be careful when the negatives are around you. Learn how to bob and weave and process graciously when they're around. Because it's a lot of them. Remember, 10 to 2 are the odds. It's more negative in this society and especially in this culture today. It is an absolute negative culture that we're living in. But find the two. Find that Joshua and Caleb that'll tell you I'm as strong today as I was when Moses first started to tell us to go out. And he says, give me this mountain. You got to have people that believe in you when you tell them your dream. See, that's the only thing that Jacob didn't do when Joseph told him that he had dreams, he didn't say, go for it, son. It's going to be great. He said they just pondered it in their, in their hearts and they waited. So he had to experience it really by himself and he saw the manifestation of it later. But when you have people that have dreams and visions and they come and tell you these things, be that influence to say, I believe God can help you with that. I believe that's going to work itself out. It's going to be all right. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David Canestracy, inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.